Hey nerds, this is Brian. I just want to give you a quick heads up before we get started on the episode. I made a huge mistake and I mapped Gina's audio to the wrong audio track in our recording software, so you can't really hear her all that well the first 10 minutes. She sounds very distant and far away. So if you don't want to bother with that, just skip forward about 10 minutes from here and then we'll get into our review of Black Panther, all right? And without any further ado, on with the show. Barry, Sean Moriarty, Gina Giovanetti, and Brian Moriarty. <laughs> oh my god. I sorry, I uh where do we even start now? Because we we were on such a roll. We, we were. were. You been- I, oh I'm back. Oh, oh hey Sean. I've been Sean? fucking hey. for a while. I know, two months. It's your it's yes. your voice and not Dave's. I know. We miss you, Dave. Strange, isn't it? Yeah. Uh well it's good to have you back, dude. Thanks, I know man. you've I've been super fucking busy and my life has been an upheaval for the last month or so. Well, so why don't you share with the audience where you've been? Okay, so that's so okay, so if you had paid attention to some episodes about a year ago, I had gone I had left the restaurant biz, uh the brewery that I was working for, still doing their digital marketing stuff, but went out to work for a digital marketing agency that's attached to a newspaper here in Durango. Uh, did that for about a year and then recently told them to fuck off, stole like four or five clients from them, and I'm now building out my own digital marketing agency, which is kind of what I was trying to do in the very beginning, but I figured this would be a good learning uh, experience. So I've been trying to like, I had to like get an LLC done with a partnership and an agreement with my partner and then also get a bartending job again for a couple nights a week. And so the last week I've worked like 70 hours. And then last night I took all 70 of those hours, shoved them into a bottle of Jameson and then slammed it. And so (laughs) now here I am two days ago with St. Patrick's Day. Remember? Neither do I. (laughs) I had probably the most lame of St. Patrick's Days. I went to my mom's house for St. Patrick's Day. Um, Yeah, but our mom is a party animal. (laughs) You're, You're like, I went to mom's. Tina Swan will put down booze. Like Andre the Giant. That's, That's true. That's true. Oh my god! But we had so we had three kinds of corned beef. She made call cannon, which I don't, if those who don't know, it's like it's some mashed potatoes and cabbage and bacon. Um, god damn, that sounds good. Really ridiculously good soda bread. Uh, I don't think Ooh. she made it. I think she got it from somewhere. <laughs> wow! And then we said, well, Vanessa and I want to make dessert, so we made from scratch dark chocolate Guinness cupcakes. With uh, Irish cream, cream cheese. Are those what the frosting. fuck are sitting in that I can see on Skype sitting in? On yes, the table actually, sorry, it wasn't cupcakes. It was a full cake. Uh, we had left. We had so much batter left over. We were able to make six cupcakes yeah, from it. Are really amazing cupcakes. I'm about uh, halfway through, and they're massive, and there's a, like a full inch of frosting on the. T- and I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave this recording with diabetes. But my God, I want <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah, you can literally. After having these cupcakes, you can basically go to any of those like premium cupcake bakeries, buy the most expensive cupcake they have, and just shove it up your ass. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I've never been super impressed with those because I always use like, hey, uh... fondant, and there's like I don't need some like rosemary flavor cupcake, but my God, this Guinness cupcake is incredible. 
And it's like, it's all the barley is like, that's really what you're getting. You're not getting the alcohol so much. You're just getting the barley flavor. The chocolate mm. makes it so I am good definitely like... writing an article for BuzzFeed tomorrow. Four reasons to boof cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, and because we got dark chocolate cocoa powder, it's like these cupcakes are black. These are like Oreo black. It looks like the cake out of Matilda, but better. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to say it so bad, but I don't want to offend everyone. How black are they, Brian, again? <laughs> just tell me so I can just live with it. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to Nerds on Film. I am Brian Moriarty. I'm Gina Giovanetti. And I'm Sean Moriarty. Welcome back, both of you, by the way. We missed you so much for the Oscar episode. Um, I wish you guys could have been there. But we had I a lot know, of fun. And obviously, yeah, you, I, I had it. way too much alcohol. Well, that night it was it was fun it was fun for us to listen to and like to be perfectly transparent i was spending that evening doing belated valentine's day with my boyfriend who as i yeah. mentioned before lives 100 miles away from me so oh yeah i did have a different priority that evening absolutely totally and you know what? i'm sure you had there. a lot more fun so yeah. uh, i could be there because i had created a monster my wife used to not give a shit about the oscars and then once we got into like <laughs> our Oscar challenge together watching all the movies now she super cares and she's like no Oscar night's our fucking night now you could do like a nerdonomy thing like tomorrow if you want and I was like okay no I get it <laughs> I get it so but so yeah, are you saying you're not gonna be on it so are you saying now you're not gonna be on the Oscar episodes any at, at all anymore like you're I, retiring I think from that uh I think that rescheduling the recording for not right after especially considering listening to the most recent one by the midway through it you're just like so like eh. What if okay? This is what I this, this is what I got. That was you, and then you got really stuffy, and you couldn't blow your nose because you were too drunk to realize it. Maybe we should not do it because it's a fun drinking event, and maybe we should wait till like the next day. What if what if by this time next year it's just Sean and Katie and Brian and Vanessa, and you do like. Mobro and Spouse Oscar show where you both get blasted. Oh my god, no, we Oscar wouldn't. Show. Not, no, That's it would adorable. be the Vanessa and Katie Power Hour featuring. It would be like, you know, how <laughs> SNL's like starring these motherfuckers and still featuring because they're not quite made it yet. It would be like Vanessa and Katie featuring Brian and Sean. Yeah, it's true. And wine. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's, yeah, yes, a lot of wine. I didn't well, actually drink that night, though. I didn't have anything to drink. Yeah, I, I smoked my myself. Almost to death, though. Mm. Oh, well, we had a little bit of champagne, but mostly my drink of choice was Manhattans, and I had like two oh, or three nice. of those. And, and, and if you're not, no, don't know what a Manhattan is. The recipes frequently call for two full ounces of bourbon and then a full ounce of uh, sweet vermouth. Yes, yes. actually, so mine mine's up being about two, uh, three and a half ounces because altogether, because I do, I think I do two and a quarter of bourbon because mm. the ice mm. sometimes absorbs it when you when you stir it. Yeah. You got to get the big cubes, are dude. Classic though. Oh yeah, those the the big the big cube. I have an ice mold that you it makes big ice balls, but they look like mm -hmm. a Death Star, and it's yeah, fun. yeah. Those are those great, are sweet. Those. Good to know. Uh, this has nothing to do with what we're actually here to no, talk about no, today. No, yeah. Speaking of speaking of overtly white holidays that we just celebrated, let's talk about Black Panther. <laughs> uh, Sean, originally, I, I thought when you were asking how black were the cupcakes, I thought that was going to be your transition. That was a, yeah, it was and, like, thank God. wrong, and I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah, I'm glad that that was not your choice of segue to the episode. Still pretty uncouth to have that joke right before the Black Panther breakdown. Yeah. 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 But such is Sean Moriarty. So <laughs> let's He's move He's back, forward. everyone. 
<laughs> He's back, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> oh, <God>. Episode title. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Uh, Black Panther. He's back, everyone. Sorry. No, I shouldn't put it in that order because Black then it Panther, sounds bl- Did you horrible. say he's black, everyone? Sorry, or he's back, everyone? Sorry. I said he's back, everyone. See, um, we'll, what we'll do is we'll cut that together and we'll target this episode to like the South with that in it to kind of. And then to the rest of the country, you know, the people that can read and such, we'll do the, the nicer version. Yeah, apparently, we'll look at our sites analytics all of a sudden. You had an upspike in white nationalist listeners <laughs> oh, <laughs> listening no. to this episode. No. Oh, God, no. Uh, yeah, don't no. put that on us, Brian. No, I don't. No, don't we are just... Put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> no, we we are we, we joke mostly because we're uncomfortable being white now in this in this current world. We I'm not. In. I just know I ain't shit. <laughs> So there you go. Uh, okay, so this movie, Black Panther, was awesome. I think it had everything that a Marvel movie needs to have, right? It's yes. got a healthy amount of humor, a really engaging plot. The, the plot does not really slow down that much. I will admit that when I saw it, I fell asleep during a portion of it, but it's because I was seeing a midnight showing, and I learned that Bri Fry cannot handle <laughs> Midnight showings anymore. I am too old for that. You shit. are never allowed to refer to yourself in the third person as Bry Fry. That is only something that I and mother and father can call you. God damn it. I just like how you call our parents mother and father. It's like, is this also where we summer in the Hamptons too? Sorry, I forgot to say the word our. Our mother and father. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sorry, only mother and father can call you that. Or, yeah, well, it's better than what I usually say is, which is the fuckers that tried to raise us. Oh. Well. Yes, because we were raised by HBO, Brian. We were not raised by HBO. No, I know. That is not. And they don't listen to this, so it's fine. Oh. Yeah, and this is they the one that they wanted to listen to. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so it really did have all the elements that any Marvel movie should have. Uh, the, maybe the one thing that was missing was really other superhero cameos in it except for maybe the very very end spoilers obviously yeah like if you haven't seen black panther by now why are you listening to a black panther episode no and no they're gonna everybody saw black panther twice already it's already passed like 1.2 billion dollars at this point Mm -hmm. so there aren't any people out there unless they you know they live in a country where they don't have movie theaters yeah so because of that uh just go along for the ride and you know what you're expecting from our previous reviews. We're going to talk about everything. So. Oh, yeah. Yes. A so, good handful of those billions of dollars. I am going to call out my friends Kayla and Kendra because those bitches have seen Black Panther like 12 times each right now. And I'm just like, y'all movies are expensive. <laughs> how, how are, god damn. <laughs> yeah. What I thought was interesting is right off the bat, you open up the movie this is just from a design point of view. Like you see Black Panther in the exact costume he was wearing in Civil War. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back, goes through the whole ceremony of becoming crowned and having to beat the guy from the the River Tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mbaku. exactly, uh, and becoming the River Tribe. Wasn't the River Tribe or when it was the Mountain Tribe? Sorry. It was the Mountain. It's yeah, the, there's the one the, yeah. the 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 exiled tribe that lives like way up high in the mountains. Yeah. Right. Sorry that that tribe. Uh, and he, after that, gets a whole new Black Panther outfit. So they, they kind of went Dark Knight with it, where like they, they didn't want to just give him a new costume and like, hey, because he's 
a king and he can afford it. Well, there's there's that, but it's also it's not that he necessarily is a king and he can afford it, but also the the sister Shuri, she's the one who was designing the suits and things. Yes. And there was a comment I saw where Shuri noticed that their dad didn't survive in civil war because the suit needed to be able to be worn under a western style suit as opposed to the like ceremonial african robes and she was like well i need to, i may need to redesign this so the suit can like go on and off in an instant for protection because maybe if dad had one like the one i just designed he'd still be alive yeah the one thing i didn't quite understand is it the confusion i got from that point was obviously the movie opens up 20 years in the past or 25 years in the past mm-hmm. in Oakland, 1992. And you see uh, T'Chaka as Black Panther, played mm-hmm. by a younger actor. And fast forward, I got the implication from Civil War, though, that T'Challa had already been Black Panther when he mm. came in as Black Panther. That It wasn't He new. was. I, yeah, so it's more of he would wants, she wants to be able to protect her brother in yeah, situations like this going forward because mm. he yeah he was already taking the mantle of the black panther but i mean but and at the same time we but when he comes back what's the ceremony for now he's the black panther that is confusing well i think he had to assume the it's one of those weird things where like with any in any like monarchy where there's an ascension line, like the immediate person becomes the acting monarch right away the next person yeah. and how line. did but then okay so if the, if he how did how did tchaka die if he had you know, if he had drank the the uh, what is the name of the flower? I can't. You know, the juice from the flower. Yeah. What the what the heck was the yeah, flower? Yeah. So called? it sounds like that maybe because he was getting older, he had retired from Black Panther, but, but he was still chosen still, like, to be acting king, king as as king. Yeah, kind of like almost like T'Challa had become the crown prince, and like the officially cr- when you're the crown prince, you're like we know you're you're the next in line. Like you're being you're transitioning over to some of his responsibilities. Yeah. Plus, I mean, T'Chaka was significantly older and out of shape. He could not be the Black Panther. No, that's true. Yeah. So there was that was the only real like plot question I had, and that's more of a discrepancy between movies and less about the what we saw in uh, the the movie that we saw. So there was that. Um, acting in this movie was top notch. Oh, so good. Yep. Everybody like really brought it, and that's the cool thing is like first of all. I know there's a tons of fans out there who said it, but I'm just, it bears repeating. Like, seeing a white-haired Ag- Angela Bassett was like, man, this is the closest we're ever going to get to her playing Storm. Mm-hmm. But like, there was I read some fan comments that like they were praying toward like two thirds of the way through the movie when shit got real <laughs> tense that she would just like she like goes uh, up looks up storm, to the sky and then like summons lightning. <laughs> that <laughs> like, would have been amazing. Wouldn't that be like? Oh. Aurora Monroe's T'Challa's mom. I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. (laughs) That would have been, oh God, that would have been so good. Also just like everyone in this movie, in addition to being amazing actors, it's fucking beautiful. Like Wakanda is apparently just full of gorgeous human beings. Like their country slogan is probably Wakanda, you're probably inadequate because everyone (laughs) in that country is amazing. Like, (laughs) oh my God. No, I think the actual national saying is colonizers? Question mark? Question mark. (laughs) Question mark at the end of it? Because they've never been colonized. Mm -hmm. Um, No, it's true. Like beautiful people. And also just the the costumes were so beautiful because... Mm -hmm. I read that the designer, she was super meticulous about making sure that each 
portion of the tribes all had an influence from a specific country in yeah. in mm. Africa. Um, which is really kind of like that goes back to the idea of pan-Africanism. I don't know that they didn't outright say it was pan-Africanism, but the idea that they're not sticking it to any one specific region right. of the continent. I, I did appreciate yeah. that, like, yeah, they did have they did have the five separate tribes, though, that were like the water tribe, the mountain tribe, and forest tribe. And each one of those tribes was very distinctly represented, not only in dress, but things like fighting style and uh, just like the way that they conducted themselves. You could tell that each of those was a very separate and well thought out thing. Yeah. I... Did anyone else get kind of a feeling of like watching uh, Thor in a way when with this movie? Maybe not as no, Shakespearean as Thor. Much better. I mean, I loved Thor, and it seems to be one of the more forgotten movies in the Marvel universe because it is very Shakespearean, mm-hmm. and it is that was still when you know Marvel Studios wasn't part of Disney, and they were, it was it was Paramount, and then being distributed uh, being distributed by Paramount, so it. It, there is a clear as soon as Disney took over, you can clearly see that the the streamlining of the universe got a lot tighter. So I feel like this fits perfectly into the Marvel universe, but the world building was even better than Thor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Um, I think, yeah, we do get that very Shakespearean idea of like ascension and kind of trying to be a good leader within yeah. a midst of a particular upheaval. Whereas, you know, we see T'Challa where he he he's fairly ready to be that leader, but was not prepared to take this particular challenge. But then as opposed to something like in Thor, um, you know, having the, you know, prince figure be sort of whiny and petulant and needed needing to be taught uh, yeah. a lesson. And I think it was funny because I think after Black Panther came out, there was like some, you know, lame white person tweet that was like, oh, would you imagine like the upheaval, though, if you came out with a movie called White Panther and put it in some like mythical kingdom in Norway or something? And someone yeah, that's commented called on it. They're just like, <laughs> yeah, it's called Thor. They made it three fucking times. Let people have this. <laughs> right. And it's also it's such a skewed argument to make because they us, we live in a world where we are still represented the majority of the time. Yes. Right? <laughs> so it's like you can't play that card. You can't. Yeah. Uh, the whole point of Afrofuturism, which is what this movie plays into, is the idea is of this very optimistic mm-hmm. future where, yep. yes, it doesn't it doesn't really matter the skin color, but it just so happens that the skin yeah. color of the people who are making yeah. heavy technological advances is black. Yes. Right. It reminds me of that Aziz Ansari bit where he always said he gets annoyed when people ask him, like, hey, how about all this slumdog millionaire stuff, huh? You gotta love it. And he's like, yeah, well, should I be that stoked about this one movie that we have? Do white people go around like, Jaws, that's us. Godfather, that's us. Everything but slumdog millionaire and boys in the hood, that's us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like every, you guys have every movie. We have every movie, mm-hmm. you know? And guess what? Just because the movie has almost a, an entirely black cast and a lot of themes that are, are foreign to us doesn't mean that the movie's not fucking for us. Right. I, I, mm-hmm. Plenty of white people saw this movie 10 times already. Oh, yeah. And guess what? If you don't fucking like it, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Go to your little fucking trailer and fucking smoke meth 
and then kill yourself. <laughs> well, is it Kumail Nanjali said it? Uh, Nanjali, sorry, said that at uh, the Oscars is like you know you can still identify with somebody who is not from your ethnic background and be rooting for yes. them. I know because I've been doing it my entire life. <laughs> so yeah. you know it's it's exactly the point uh, that we're all making. So um, oh god, I just I want to keep watching it because it's not even fair how pretty lupita nyong'o is as a person oh my god oh my god it's and that's so funny to see that that's what the i never freeze thing was about because when you see the trailer and he's like don't freeze i never freeze Mm -hmm. you think maybe i'm thinking maybe is it that he's jumping out of a plane at thirty thousand feet that he's gonna freeze that's what you think and then you realize no don't freeze when you see homegirl because she's your ex-girlfriend and she's lupita nyong'o so she's a dime piece and a half like don't (laughs) freeze up when you see her again (laughs) Oh, God, no. Like, I loved her introduction so much because I appreciated that, you know, she didn't know that T'Challa was going to show up. This was an individual thing that she was doing. And she she was undercover. She was undercover. And it looked like, you know, it's they don't say it directly, but the implication is very much like she's like a freedom fighter for things like child soldiers and so it's just like wow like what i appreciated was that the movie wasn't afraid to bring in very real themes that Mm -hmm. the black community in different places across the globe faces whether it be uh something like child soldiers or whether it be something like well what if our home was not colonized in this way would we would we have developed in this way or growing up as someone like Killmonger, um, who grew up in Oakland in a place that was, you know, that can be very oppressive towards Mm -hmm. the black community. And so it's... And and people mm -hmm. who lose their fathers to... To violence. Yeah, exactly. And, and so yeah, and I have to grow up without their father. That's a real thing. That's yeah. a real problem in a lot of communities. Yeah. And so to to see that the movie was not afraid to touch on this, I thought was a wonderful choice. Because you get pe- because it, it opens a discussion, it opens a discourse on on these ideas as well. Um, you know, whether T'Challa was right on wanting to kind of keep Wakanda this very special bubble so as not to be affected by the issues that uh, were happening to the rest of the continent? Or is was that a bad choice in that, well, what could they have done done to help? And you see that um, you see that side of that view come out through the character of Eric Killmonger. Right. Yeah. Which is interesting. You bring that up, too, because in the comic books, Eric Killmonger is not connected to the royal bloodline. No, he's not. And that's, in fact, why when he was Black Panther, when he assumed the mantle, the the potion he drank actually slowly started to kill him because you need to be from that royal bloodline for it to not affect you. Yeah. So they had to retcon his storyline a little bit to make him... Which is great because what they've Prince done with Goblins. the... They've been clear that the cinematic universe and the comic book universe mm-hmm. need to be separate because when you're talking about writing a whole series of comic books that you need to keep a story going, it's not the same medium and you mm-hmm. need to keep things in these even though it is an extended universe of films you need to keep them in two hour mm-hmm. blocks and you need to retool things so that they fit into this this new medium. Yeah, the one thing I was kept thinking about particularly in that moment where you're talking about in the with uh, Lupia Nyong'o's character when she's trying to rescue that uh, the women yeah, who are being... Yeah, like the convoy. Yeah, who are being uh, basically trafficked um, is you start to see how people in Africa 
see Black Panther, who are not part of Wakanda, right? And the idea that when I was seeing that and seeing that this whole myth, there's this mythical element behind him, I'm like, I just realized basically what Black Panther is, is the Phantom, but better than anybody, any way the Phantom could have ever been done, mm-hmm. right? And he's Batman, but better. And I hate to say that, <laughs> being as I'm such, I'm such a Batman fan, but he is. He's a better version of Batman without the psychological trauma, mm-hmm. right? You know? Yeah. Um, well, recent psychological trauma. He did lose his father, and that did send yeah. him. Well, and in Civil War, he loses his father, and he goes, you know, vigilante justice and very willing to to get blood for his father. He wants to kill Bucky because mm-hmm. he thinks Bucky's the one that killed his father. But that was another great thing I love to go back to Civil War is seeing his arc just in that movie where at the end he accepts that violence just begets more violence mm-hmm. really helped set up. How his his more peaceful way of thinking um, in Black Panther proper. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, to touch back on what you were talking about with everything and addressing the, the Oakland references and addressing the whole, the racial struggle that uh, that the movie was was so willing to, to embrace. I feel like that's, that was... So willing to embrace? Ryan Coogler directed this movie, Brian. No, I understand that. He wanted, it, was, it wasn't willing to embrace. I think you should rephrase that. Well, no, think, no, no, no. I, I don't, I'm not going to rephrase that because Marvel could have chose, could have told him, no, we can't do that. And they did, or Disney could have said, no, we can't do that. And they were like, nope, absolutely. I think the nice thing about this film was that it was very willing to embrace its, you know, for lack of a better term, its blackness. Um, I had a discussion with a coworker, and he was wondering like why it was such a big deal that um, the they were very bent on having a uh, black director for the movie because before Ryan Coogler took over, it was I believe it was going to be an Ava DuVernay piece, and yeah. then she ended up doing Wrinkle in Time instead. Yeah, um, yeah. and so the idea though that these communities have a very unique set of experiences and a very unique Mm -hmm. lens in which they view those experiences that is then something that those of us who are not a part of that community can learn from is incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, were a white person to approach this movie, they would not necessarily have the same lens looking at it as a person of color would. And I'm not, and if you, yeah, and I'm not trying to like discredit anyone's experiences, but like, you know, we need to be willing to admit that there are very unique experiences that we, or that different other communities have that we cannot fully experience because we're and, not a and, part of that community. And when you look back at like historic, like if you look, if you take a look back at black cinema, so many of the quote unquote black exploitation movies of the seventies were directed and produced by white people. And you mm-hmm. could see how a lot they, they were, they were it, at the time, I suppose it was like poking fun at certain um, stereotypes in the community. But when you go back and look at them now, you're like, if the if if one of the if one of the creators had been of African American descent, this w- would not have been mm-hmm. as in your face, stereotypical, and and trying to be funny, as you know. W- have you guys seen any of those old movies? Like, no, have you I seen know Coffee, or have you seen? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of them, and I, and I know exactly what you're saying. I think... and some of those did have black directors, mm-hmm. you know, and but they also they were answering to. Well, I look. I think of Shaft as a the prime example of that too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Shaft kind of. Mm-hmm. Only kind of teeters on that line of being black exploitation and just being a crime movie, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but nevertheless, um, I think Gordon Parks, if I'm not mistaken, was the director. 
Have you guys Afri- have Afri- you guys done a black exploitation episode? We have not, and we really should. Um, is that I think it's the idea of introducing a stereotype or playing off the stereotypes at first for accessibility, mm-hmm. but then trying to tell a true story underneath it. The the risk you run into that is you run the risk of reinforcing it. The stereotype. It's the yeah. same problem that Dave Chappelle ran into with Chappelle Show. It's the same problem that Key and Peele ran into doing Key and Peele. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and the fact that this movie pretty much abandons all of those stereotypes because by setting yeah. it in a country that isn't <laughs> isn't yeah. America really helps. But I also I really when it comes back to Eric Killmonger, like you see I mean Michael B. Jordan, my God man, such a talented actor. Oh, so good. He you could tell And the most beautiful man that exists on earth. Yes. Okay. But well, I, as soon as he takes his shirt off, I feel like a little boy. Y'all, y'all are so hard for Michael B. Jordan right now, as though Chadwick Boseman is not also absolutely gorgeous. No, I've been hard for Michael B. Jordan since Creed, though. Oh, Another that's yeah. amazing Ryan Coogler no, movie. No, no, you're right. Yeah. They were both in immaculate shape. Uh, <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is that. Just from fr- it's, the, it's it's his face, it's the lips. No, 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 no. It's it's of the B. Jordan that almost turned me. Okay, without that movie. So it, the <laughs> acting was what I'm talking about. Is like without even saying a word, and you walk, you see him walk around, especially when he approaches the throne room oh, in Wakanda. Yeah, this is a man who has become consumed by rage. It was in his yes. physicality. It was mm-hmm. in his facial expression, without even saying a word. Right, mm-hmm. and then finally, when he gets to the final duel, and he says that you know. You guys have taken everything from me, you know. Yeah. Because of his of losing his father, mm-hmm. like you can understand, you you don't agree with his with what he does, but you understand why he feels that way, right? You know? Exactly. And he's a he's a sympath he's a sympathetic villain. He's one of those villains where you and that's the best kind of villain. It's a well rounded character. It's written perfectly when you do have moments where you feel for them and you empathize with them. Which is is a fairly recent thing that we're seeing because it used to just be like, nope, they're a fucking psychopath and we want everybody to just hate them. They're they they just fit into this one hole. This movie just has so many levels with his character. I'm not entirely sure it's a new concept. I think it's a concept that's been not been used as frequently no, as it should. Well, what I'm saying is is that movies with sympathetic villains don't necessarily the volume of movies that have them is not. Is, is far more these days than it used to be. Sure. Well, I, I appreciate... Especially big ones that are, you know, have such a huge reach, like ones in the Marvel Universe. Okay. I appreciate that, like, if you're sympathetic towards Killmonger, you, like, it, it's a very rational reason to be sympathetic towards him because of his background, because of these experiences that he's had. So, like, I feel like people who are kind of justifying Killmonger as a villain, I find much more interesting than like when the Avengers comes out and like everybody on Tumblr is like woobifying Loki, who's basically like a white supremacist in the first film and like trying to make everybody bow. And it's just like, listen, man, you're just hard for Tom Hiddleston. You don't have to try to like validate what Loki is doing because you're hard for Tom Hiddleston. Exactly. Like you can. From what I understand, the thought, the theories online are saying that he's going to actually you know that he's gonna he's gonna die for the cause and kind of redeem himself in infinity war likely i mean probably and like i get that but again you know if you if you look at again back to the comparison of black panther and thor i find killmonger to be a much more sympathetic villain because of the way that he was written as opposed to people trying to simple to or trying to um you know excuse the actions 
of someone just because they yeah. find them attractive. And it's sort right? of the reverse if you think about it, because <laughs> Odin went to to is it Jodenheim, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Odin went to Jodenheim, killed Loki's dad, and then took him back with him. Mm-hmm. And that's the opposite of what happened in Black Panther. Right. Yeah. Where T'Chaka goes, kills his dad, and goes, ah, all right, yeah. get, in the, get in the plane. And yeah. my God, I love that. Why didn't you bring the boy home? Like, yeah. you, it's, I mean, that's literally, that's Shakespearean at yeah. that point, right? Well, did it's, they even know about the boy, though? They had to have because of... Um, uh, because of Suri, because of Zuri. Sorry, they would have had to have known that the kid existed because Zuri was there as an undercover operative with him the whole time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know, and Forrest Whitaker admits that, and then he gets shanked like right, right then and there. Yeah. You know? Um. Yeah. And so, <sighs> what I find really interesting is that Chadwick Boseman said that he actually sympathized much more with Eric Killmonger than he did with T'Challa. Yeah. In the movie, and he yeah. agrees that like. If you have a country, the one country in Africa that was not colonized because they were hiding this in, this seemingly uh, indispensable amount of you know, vibranium that was making that made them so super wealthy and everything, and they kept that all secret, you'd be pissed off too when you yeah. know about what was happening in the rest of the world. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which brings me to another thing. There is a criticism I've heard about this movie from multiple people about the fact that. T'Challa's not the most amazing character that you that you remember after. He's sort of like he's there. Black Panther is there. You see his arc, but he's not the most interesting and he's not the thing you care about most in the movie. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, especially when you're trying to build a world like this and show so many different aspects of not only um, Wakanda, but their their relationship to the outside world. That it reminds me of the way that Seinfeld was. Jerry's not the most interesting or funny character in that story, but he needs to be there to carry it forward. Everybody loves Kramer and Elaine and George way more. Yeah, doesn't necessarily mean that his part wasn't important, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the movie should have been titled something differently. It's just the way that the story went, and I still loved it, and I didn't really notice it that much until the second time I saw it. Yeah, that was something that Mark Bernardin also said too. Um, he put it in more in the terms of. The one person's story who I didn't care about was T'Challa's, like because when, although if you think about it, the whole thing is his story. Well, no, yeah. it is his story. But when he, what he meant was like when he meant was talking about what the character wants. What mm-hmm. the, yeah. what the character wants isn't as deeply rooted as I think all the other characters' motivations. Right? Yeah. He's a, T'Challa wants to be a good king. He wants to live up to his father's you know expectations. All right. But then he realizes his father fucked up big time. You know. And so then him realizing, well, fuck it, I just gotta do the right thing and be my own, be my own yeah. man. And also, with the, the 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 whole thing about wanting to keep Wakanda closed, and keep and because they're worried about a what the world would do if they had something as amazing as vibranium and how much of it they saw what a little bit of it being stolen by uh, Ulysses Claw did, right? Mm-hmm. But it also just has such a big effect. It had such a big effect on me that conversation in the movie because. We're dealing with something like that right now where essentially Donald Trump and his administration are wanting to fucking close the borders of this country and worry about us. It's all about nationalism. And it's odd. To see, it was it was a weird juxtaposition to see that happening now, but then to see it in a movie that is all about the black community and about a, an African country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I see what your point was because they yeah, basically... Let's expand on... How did you guys feel about that? I hadn't made that connection until you brought it up, but it I makes complete sense. The whole idea that... 
Wakanda was was isolationist, essentially. Yes, and I mean, we're not just seeing that in America right now. I mean, look at what happened with Brexit. Look at all of there. There are countries in Europe that are also becoming way more nationalist and wanting to close themselves off. And it's more that this situation we're dealing with and the, the opinions and the points of view of the people that, that support that it is about immigration. It's they don't want immigrants coming. Yeah. And, and I think in Wakanda, it was less worrying about people coming in to live there. It was more about what they have going out into the world. Um, mm-hmm. And there's actually a much bigger underlying thing with that. That's more of a political science, like social studies. Yeah. Uh, but the implication is that there's now more evidence to support that Brexit the, the 2016 election and the rise of nationalism in Europe all are tied into um, what's essentially been a, a, a very carefully crafted campaign by the Russian government to break up the world yep. so that it can do what it wants mm-hmm. and and potentially start World War III. Um, yeah, that's a- Which, you know, if it happens, it's going to be terrible. But uh, I there's very few times in my 35 years on this planet that I've thought I will totally sign up for the military but if I just love Rocky Four so much that if we're going after the Russians, I'm I'm all in. God damn it! Because all it would take would be me to go over there with a gun, drop it, and then go. If I can change, and you can change, and then everybody starts clapping, and then we just solve the Cold War with a tiny little <laughs> Italian man with a busted brain saying uh, things. You know what? What that? What I just said <laughs> makes me realize why the fuck hasn't there not been a black widow movie right at this oh, point oh, black yeah. widow movie yeah i mean i know everyone said well we had one it was called red sparrow well nah. no that movie uh, and i heard it's good um but you know it's not re- no but we need a black widow movie but i guess i guess the little snippets after uh, scarlet witch affects her brain that we saw in in age of ultron is all of the backstory that we're going to get hmm. at this yeah. point well like you know kind of back to sean's point about how um, you know, Black Panther is not necessarily who you leave the movie caring the most about. You know, another comparison is like, I love Harry Potter, obviously, but when I talk to people about it, I've never once had someone tell me their favorite character in Harry Potter is Harry Potter. Um, yes. But one of the things I wanted to bring up about that and on the subject of like, you know, wanting a Black Widow movie is I appreciated that it seemed like men and women had fairly equal screen time for the most part in yeah. Black Panther, because not only do you have characters like um, Nakia, who is Lupita Nyong'o's character, or Shuri, or um, I forget Angela Bassett's character's name, but, you know, the queen, you also have the Wakandan honor guard, the Dora Milaje, I think. It was Ramonda. Um, And, uh, you know... Angela Bassett was Ramonda. Ramonda, thank you. Um, You know, you have have the honor guard, which are all women. The king surrounds himself with the most powerful and amazing women who will fight for him and you and know. i can't wait to see them fuck shit up in infinity oh my war God. that trailer i was so i was so, so mad good. that i couldn't see it but it in disney, disney california adventure after black panther came out you could meet black panther and one of the dora milaje yeah four there were <gasps> there four were dora four? milaje i lost my shit yeah well because that's the moment where i would have been like oh do i need black panther in the picture or can i just get a picture with the women please like and you know the the lead one okoye was um, Denai Guerrera, who also yes. plays Michonne in The Walking Dead. And seeing, you know, the way that she played both of these characters, who are both fighters, so differently and so uniquely was so good. And my mom made this comment about, like, 
oh, well, you know, she had fight practice with The Walking Dead. And I was like, no, these are different fight styles. She uses a katana in The Walking Dead. She uses, you know, the spear and the shield in a very like, you know, I'm going to make this comparison, which is probably wrong, but in a very like Shaka Zulu kind of fighting style. Um, and they're, they're the com- views of Gina Giovanetti are not necessarily that <laughs> of Nerdonomy. <laughs> Shaka Zulu was a historical figure. No, exactly. no, I know. I'm just fucking with you. Um, That's what I do. I was just like, that wasn't meant to be wrong. Um, but no, but like they're they're very different fighting styles. And, you know, she's the most powerful. And what I appreciated was that, like, none of these stories, you know, necess- especially the women's stories turned into love stories either. Yeah, exactly. you have Nakia and T'Challa, you know, kind of, you know, with a little back and forth kind of rapport. And you can tell that they have history, but it's not the huge part of the story. Like, yeah, the whole time you're just like, oh, God, I want to see them get together because it's going to be a beautiful couple. But like, yes. and you, you need that a little bit. Yeah, you need the. You need it a little bit because it it's just movie tropes. Yeah, but like what I what I li- <laughs> what I like is that you don't have like one of their deaths being you know a, a story yeah. element where it propels them, and you have a character like Okoye who. Um, there's the I'm forgetting his name, but the the guy who was like in charge of the the farming community and was a very yes. like oh yeah um the the uh, guy from Get it's Out the guy from uh, Get Out yeah. yeah um you know you can you know it's implied that he and a and a Koye are are you know husband and wife or in a relationship or something and towards the end or he Winston a- Duke Winston Duke the, played Umbaku ah very nice um but no the the other guy not Umbaku. Um, the one who was in like the blue, um, but it's implied that oh, okay. you know the two of them have like a a thing, and you know, it, and at the end where he's very much on the side of Killmonger, and as soon as T'Challa comes back, Okoye starts fighting for T'Challa. Um, and it's he, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, by the way. Is Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, Kalu- Sorry, Kaluuya. god yeah. damn it. Yeah, Daniel um, Kaluuya. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but the, uh, you know, and she, she has, you know, the, the point of her spear to his neck and he asks, you know, would you kill me? And she says for Wakanda in an yeah. instant. And she the, says my love, my for, love. Yeah. For Wakanda in, in, an, instant. in an instant. And yeah. so, you know, having that sort of very powerful character and not falling prey to that love story trope, I thought was yeah. really nice to see after seeing, you know, Age of Ultron do that with Black Widow. Um, yeah, I I was very happy to see that, and I loved yeah. the character of Shuri so much because, um, like, showing not only a woman but a young minority woman very intelligently navigating this very advanced STEM technology. Yeah. I loved because you know, obviously, like. I'm white. My family is white. My youngest sister, white, but she's currently going to school to be a mechanical engineer. And that's still a Mm -hmm. very male dominated field. And so I loved seeing Shuri in that position because I'm just like, yes, women in STEM, minority women in STEM. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that was intentional (laughs) because we need more women in those things. But, you know, it's the... It's that chicken before the egg thing. People need to be able to dream first and put themselves in the shoes of a character yeah. sometimes in fiction to be able mm-hmm. to want to dream and be that. Exactly. Totally. And there's actually, I like Kevin Smith's uh, spe- speculation is that if we think what's going to happen in Infinity War happens where we lose both Iron Man and Captain America. Maybe Thor too. If you saw yeah, the most recent trailer, that, fucking Thanos has his giant hand wrapped around Thor's head like he's going to pop it like a grape. That Shuri might be the MCU Ironheart. Ooh. Right? Ooh. Because she basically is 
female Tony Stark, oh, right? So good. Yeah. So like we're Man, in, you know we're what I just realized armor, oh. that would be the more that so I think badass. about it. Oh, so so we had touched on that, like you know Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther. He's not the most interesting part of the. He he carries the movie in a certain part, but it's not that he. It's it's less about him and more about the world and everybody else. And maybe I'm thinking about it more. If you think about this, this movie had so many strong women and they were very careful not to have the arcs of the women rely on the arcs of the men Mm -hmm. that that may have that, which is way, I'm totally fine with that over it being a super, you know, T'Challa centric film. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. Think about did, Did any female character rely on a male character for, I mean, if let's do Bechdel test. How often we we had plenty of conversations with women where they're not necessarily talking about men. Mm-hmm. They didn't; those characters didn't rely on any of the men for any of their arcs necessarily. Mm-hmm. Look at—I mean, just if you're looking at Nakia, she's at odds with him because she wants. She is is I believe part of the beginning catalyst of why. Yeah. T'Challa decided that it we should go out and we should do some kind of outreach and we should help the world out because she was already doing that, but she had she was forced to do it in an undercover. Uh, way at solo with no other help mm-hmm. yeah um i mean there is it's it's kind of a, a mixed thing when you talk about that Bechtel test because the one scene i can think of where there are the two female characters is ramonda and shiri they're trying to get but they're the whole reason why they're together is they're trying to basically get help from uh umbaku umbaku yeah and they're trying to get help to bring back T'Challa, so they do need a man's help. Well, they they do. It's not necessarily that they need a man's help. I was fully thinking, like, Shuri could have fully become the Black Panther, but the fact that, like, or, you know, I felt like she could, but the fact that, like, it was a very interesting moment because Wakanda is presented as a very proud nation and that, you know, the the mountain tribe with M'Baku is also presented as being very proud. The fact that you're seeing kind of a divided community now unify is not necessarily, you know, putting it like, oh, well, they're going to ask for a man's help. They saw M'Baku challenge T'Challa and he they felt that, you know, he was brave enough and, you know, would have been worthy to then take up that mantle of Black Panther if they asked. And then you see kind of like, okay, you know, hey, they found him and he's willing to sacrifice that glory he could have had as, you know, and to to revive T'Challa. And then they go and they they fight side by side. And I think I like watching it. I didn't feel like, oh, it's two women asking a man for help. It's in that moment Shuri and uh, Ramonda are like refugees from their own community. And they're yeah. trying to now find somewhere that will help them where they, and it where is, they and arguably, I mean, and, but also I just realized if you think about it, mm-hmm. it is a patriarchal, patriarchal society. There were no female leaders of any of the tribes. And it wasn't like they were willing to, I mean, would they even let Shuri be the Black Panther? I, Do we get to that later on? I'm, sh- I'm sure. She is in the comics, or she, she was in the comics yeah, for I think a brief period yeah, of time. That's, and like we said, though, very different than the sure. cinematic universe. Yeah, True. I think, I feel like, I feel like they would have, but Shuri's the type of character where she, like, realizes that's not who she is. She creates mm. it all, but she knows that this is not something that she feels she can do and especially in that moment where she and Ramonda are are fleeing 
they're scared. She doesn't feel, you know, she's not going to necessarily feel like she can do it. But, you know, it's like, okay, we know that this person kind of has the drive and the fight to want to be able to be that person for the community to the point where they challenge T'Challa for the mantle of Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. And M'Baku, I think it's he's a very interesting character because the first time you meet him right off the bat, you think he is, okay, he's a head fake villain because he wanted to challenge... Uh, the ascension of Mm -hmm. T'Challa. But yet at the same time, he's ends up being this witty, you know, ally. Yeah. Two thirds of the way through the movie. Yeah. I think that was a really fun use of M'Baku. And, you know, one of the other criticisms I've seen is just like M'Baku is underused. He's hilarious. But, you know, I think, I think because we, we do see that little bit of him, he becomes a greater character that I'm hopefully looking forward to seeing more of. Um, can we talk about the armored rhinos for a second? Sure. <laughs> How did we feel about those? Would, would do you think it was a Deus Ex Machina done well? Or do we think it was just oh an awesome component of that final battle? Or I think it was just cool. I don't think it was a Deus Ex Machina because like your Deus Ex Machina is like all of the vibranium shit. Like if you really wanted that, it's you know it's one of those kind of like oh shit kind of moments like oh you know the fact that they incorporated that Wakanda does have this particular farming community you know and then the fact that you bring that in at the end and kind of connect it to like oh okay this is why being a farmer was so important because this is apparently what you're like genetically designing and like I think I think it's cool um I don't think it was it I think it was I think it was something that was done to be cool, the movie could have done without it, but I don't think it was a deus ex machina. Sean, what did you think of the armored rhinos? The armored rhinos I thought were super cool, and because, uh, like we had seen in so many other Marvel universes, the unique creatures that that, that we've seen, mm-hmm. this was a way for them to do that, and also, um, I just, <laughs> I thought it was super cool. Okay. I thought it was super cool. I think it was super cool, and just show it like this is, because Wakanda is foreign even though it's on earth it is so technologically advanced and their culture so different because they have been closed off that showing how they've trained the rhinos and and having those rhinos show up and be like oh shit this is what those rhinos are actually being trained for yeah i think that's awesome i didn't and you know what i didn't notice the trope that you're talking the deus ex machina trope i the thing is is you you can we only should be bitching and complaining about certain story arcs and certain tropes when they are so painfully obvious until you said it right now i didn't even realize okay it's when a movie can make you forget about Mm -hmm. those that structure and those tropes that it succeeds because honestly you're talking about fucking disney you're talking about a billion like multi-billion dollar company that's like no well we can do all these new things that you want to do but we have to stick to the fucking framework that has worked for a hundred years well i mean i think that's the old overall story for all theater and film too, right? I mean, everything is derivative. Mm-hmm. Calling something derivative is kind of cheap. I know it's 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 a cheap criticism to make because unless you're Lars von Trier, in which case it's unwatchable. <laughs> um, but it comes down to really belief, right? Mm-hmm. If you can make, if you can sell it so well that we believe in the story and we forget that we're seeing tropes then yeah it doesn't matter well yeah and yep. i i think that's it like i guess to answer your question i was not taken out of the moment by the armored rhinos as i would have been maybe if it was a more like crazy fantastical beast yeah did anyone else notice that and, oh wait wait i forgot to say 
as a huge fan of the now defunct San Jose Rhinos roller hockey team, professional <laughs> roller hockey team, I like to see rhinos being utilized in film better. I mean, because the last time a really big movie had a rhino in it, Jim Carrey was crawling out of its asshole. <laughs> Or Paul Giamatti was in a robotic one. And or his- Paul Giamatti was a terrible Russian fucking st- yeah, for two seconds. stereotype for two seconds. Even though, and he looked like shit, but that last, and everybody hates Amazing Spider-Man 2, but that last shot of him going after the rhino and with the kid was emotional and wonderful. Yeah, that's true. Did anyone else notice the trope toward the end? Not trope, but a common theme with Iron Man in that the third act involves the villain becoming the hero. Right, because Iron Man, what's the one thing that Obadiah Stane does? Is he just like, well, you've got your uh, your Black Panther suit, I've got or uh, Iron Man suit, I've got a bigger Iron Man suit, and like, <laughs> oh, you got your Black Panther suit, ta, I've got my Black Panther suit, <laughs> and it's gold, bitch. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the the thing is, his suit did look cooler. Yeah. I was like, God damn it, why is this cooler? Well, to be fair, like in the beginning, I don't think it's so much where he's just like, oh, I have a different one. Like you see that Shuri had multiple versions there, so True. it's like, okay, he just took the more you know flashy one as opposed to T'Challa has the one that's a little bit more more muted. And so I don't think it's so much that like, yes, they created this new one just for me. It's like these and these were the floor models. One. Yeah, it's a flashier one, but apparently. I was under the imp- I was like, okay, apparently, like the clothing budget doesn't matter in Wakanda because <laughs> this suit just destroys whatever you're wearing over it. You know, but so can you imagine like if T'Challa <laughs> was wearing like a dope ass Gucci suit over it and then he did it and he's like, sure, you fucking bitch, this is like a two thousand dollar suit. You didn't tell me this was gonna just like destroy the suit I was that's wearing. That's that, that's a total, that's a total like great. Walking doorway scene. Sorry, not to not, yeah. not to steal from uh, Aaron Sorkin. Like he gets into a battle, and then afterwards, like that was a ten thousand dollars suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, I that was that was another thing I really liked about the film was like I I very much believed that. Uh, T'Challa and Shuri were brother and sister. Like the rapport yeah. that they had with one another was so good. And the way that they, you know, that they played off of one another or, they're, you know, like when she's showing him the new model and she's like, okay, well, we'll kick it or whatever. And he goes and he, he like kicks it across the lab and she's just like, not that hard, stupid. And she goes and she like sets it back up again. And, you know, <laughs> I, I thought it was good. I like the way that they played off one another was like i i will watch like i want to watch all of the you know adventures of wakanda just like i want like a wonder woman amazon's movie i want a dora milaje movie i want like world of wakanda just like hanging out you know just show you know this kind of i i thought it was great because it was all so well crafted i would actually say if disney didn't have to worry about their contract with marvel being uh, owning the Florida properties. Basically, that's why they haven't done Marvel stuff at Disney World. It's Mm -hmm. because they still have their contract with Universal to have the Marvel theme park there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would love to see World of Wakanda way more than World of Avatar, honestly. Like, take why? Nobody gives a shit about Avatar. If you're doing it for kids especially, no little kids saw fucking Avatar. Yeah. Zero. That shit came out almost 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. No, I I would 100% go to World of Wakanda. Oh, my God. Now, oh, so we put that out in the universe, and now we'll see what Listen, happens. Listen, Disney. Entire fucking Marvel theme park where it's like, okay, you guys want to go to Wakanda? 
cool. And then you've got to take a tram because Wakanda is so fucking huge. <laughs> then when well, you're done with Wakanda, you're like, do you want to go to the fake New York that we set up that's like battle scarred? <laughs> like, do you want to go to like this? They have New York City and it's like, um, okay, this week it's fucking Avengers New York City. And you go in there and it's like a dome. And so you're constantly seeing fucking Chitari flying by and buildings falling <laughs> down and shit. Well, let me put it this way. So, uh, this is going to sound like, well, take this with a huge grain of salt, but a friend of a friend works within Disney. And from what I understanding, when I understand, because I've never met this person directly, mm-hmm. is that Disney's kind of playing the card they played with Disney World, which is they used a holding company to buy up real estate. Mm. And so the rumor is that they're working on a second Anaheim Park. Oh, shit. A second Anaheim Park that would be exclusively Marvel-themed. And what? they would this actually... This is the thing, though. I'm Why not... would you do it there? Here's... Why would they do it there? The land around there is is not... It's it, They're not making any more of it, and there's got to be shit there already. Florida land, you can get for like 10 cents an acre. <laughs> because, Why well, do you build it more in, in Florida? Well, so I wasn't finished yet. And that the theory is it's not necessarily adjacent to Disneyland, so they would build a monorail system to get hmm. you through all the Disney parks. We're can, talking. I, can I take an armored rhino between parks? <laughs> <laughs> because if so, then I'm 100% yeah. sold on the armored so rhino. So keep in mind, I heard that rumor three years ago, so who knows what's happening now with that, yeah. but... Um, I, just find cheap land and build a fucking really, really big one. Nobody's using most of fucking Montana. Why don't we just do fucking and, and, tourism and, and for Montana? The bleeding, through the roof. You're gonna get the bleeding heart environmentalists being like, we must preserve our open spaces. There's plenty of fucking open spaces in <laughs> just ten square miles of Marvel universe. That's all I'm asking for. It'll be fun. I'd be into it. Yeah. Watch, I'm going to edit this, and all of a sudden, we're going to get a cease and desist from Disney. It's like, <laughs> How did you know? Yeah. So Who is you guys, your contact? It's going to cut to the new edit. It's like, so you guys may not believe this, but... <laughs> and they're going to build it. <laughs> in that... <laughs> we, have, we have to edit something in, like, Atlanta Falcons. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Oh, um, man. Do we have any more we want to say about the movie? I want more of it. You want more of it. I think that's ultimately what my closing thought. Oh, I don't. We we mentioned it briefly at the beginning. I think it also is worthy of note the uh, the two uh, mid and post credit scenes. Um, The first one being uh, T'Challa kind of the implication that they're going to be a little bit more truthful about Wakanda and Wakanda is going to have more of a relationship with uh, with the rest of the world, which on that note. I did see a very funny uh, fan art comic that was like AU where Killmonger lives and becomes uh, T'Challa's anger translator in the style of the <laughs> Key and Peel sketch. And I swear to God, it was I laughed at it for a good oh my 10 God. minutes because it was so good. And I'm going to see if I can find it and send it to you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then but there was a good I want to mention because you, I forgot about that mid credit scene. Just everybody's shitty attitude towards him. Like, what are you going to do? Give us, like, huts made of mud? Is that what you're going to let us have from Wakanda? Ha, ha, ha. I'm white. <laughs> like, that shit pissed me off so bad. But I think that was Ryan Coogler's intention. Yeah. Um, and then the post credit scene where you figure out, oh, look, 
Bucky's in Wakanda, um, which is interesting because uh, I had a friend point this out to me when they wheel Martin Freeman's character into the lab to kind of, you know, heal his spine or whatever. Another white boy for me. Yeah. She says, you know, another white boy for us to fix. And it's just like, huh. She says another one. And then at the end, you realize she says another one. No, I mean, we all knew this because the end credits, the end credit scene from Civil War shows Bucky being like held in Wakanda. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I had forgotten about that. So when that. they said it's- another white boy, I was like, Katie, they're talking about Bucky. Remember the end? Of- and she's like, shut the fuck up. I'm watching. The- That's well, there's fair. also, but the, it's a little ambiguous because at the end of Civil War, Bucky goes back under frozen, like he goes back into his hypersleep. So yep. for me, actually, I was like, oh, oh, okay. It's been a while since I'd seen Civil War too, so I completely forgot about the scene that you're talking about. So it was, it was new to me. Um, and I, I I liked it. I thought it was cool. I look forward to seeing where it goes from here. Cool. Awesome. Sean, any other final thoughts you have? No, I think we really covered everything. I'm just like Gina looking forward to more. Like I'm like, what else can we what else can we get? Can we get a whole Netflix series about another part of Wakanda? Can we get a cartoon series? Can we get I don't I what an app can they make an iPhone app about Wakanda like I just want more Wakanda in my life yeah I know yeah totally okay well then why don't we take this opportunity to transition to feedback yeah listener feedback yeah Okay, so our first piece of feedback is from Laura Rose. Um, You'll remember that Laura Rose sent us one around uh, New Year's where she posted something in Welsh, and I yes. it sounded like I threw up into the microphone when I said it. Yeah. So, Well, in order to hear it, you need giant sideburns. <laughs> so uh, this, this from Laura Rose. Uh, hi, Laura Rose. Says, uh, no offense taken, you beautiful bastards. Um, she says, Welsh is a hard language to master. My first language is English, as many of my fellow Cardiffians, people that live in Welsh capital, also have. I put it in as ni- at, I put it in as a nice addition to my message, but that's the limit of my Welsh speaking. Unfortunately, I'm unable to leave a voicemail because my speech is very affected by the aforementioned illness. My speech is recovering, and one day I'll be able to leave a voicemail. I'm writing this on the day of the 90th Oscars. I was heartbroken by Dunkirk because Christopher Nolan is one of my favorite directors. I can't recall your thoughts on Dunkirk. If they win any of the big Oscars, I will lose my shit. Have any of you ever been heartbroken by a film? I have spread the word of nerd to everyone. I'm constantly telling people about the wonderful ear nectar. P.S. To throw a cat amongst pigeons, if you could choose only one Spielberg film to watch once a week for your for life and you can't watch any other Spielberg film, what would it be? Ooh, that's a solid question, Laura Rose. Thank you. That's a fucked up question. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> well, so let's address the first one, which is thoughts on Dunkirk. Well, I hadn't seen Dunkirk, Laura Rose, until the day before the Oscars. And my feelings of it was I was confused through most of it because of the nonlinear storytelling. And it was hard for me to keep track until – but I became so invested in the story that, like, well, I got to finish watching this because otherwise I won't know what's going on. Going on. And it finally came together in the end. Um, heartbroken, maybe not because – I don't know. It's because it didn't happen to anybody I knew. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds so, like – detached and so like uncaring i don't mean that sound that way at all um it i definitely felt the emotional ten- tension you know and i did feel this oh my god again like you the the sound editing for that movie was so goddamn good 
yes, where that when you hear the Luftwaffe go through and you just you become afraid of it because it's it sounds like a banshee and uh, you know you really got the sense that these guys were, were scared for their lives um, so f- for me I mean I, I was definitely on that journey with with those guys heartbreaking broken some I mean it's anytime there's a loss of life a massive loss of life like that of course it's heartbreaking but I don't know I didn't necessarily feel connected to any of the characters I felt the most connected to was Mark Relance's character on the the boat and I felt horrible for him because spoilers his son dies it's not his fucking son remember that that's a friend of his son's that jumps onto the boat with him and they say your parents your isn't someone going to be pissed that you're jumping on the boat and he goes well my folks like I, I never get any recognition I want my parents to see my name in the paper for doing something good oh I thought the blonde kid was the friend so okay my, my bad I didn't At least see that's Dunkirk, what I think. So. Correct us if we're wrong. We'll hear that on the next episode's feedback if Correct. I was wrong. Sorry. That's what I got from it. I don't. You're talking about a movie that was nominated for an Oscar, and I'm like, I'm not a super stickler for spoilers. Like, it's a movie about World War II. People are gonna yeah. die, <laughs> and he dies like he dies like less than halfway through. Yeah, and he also dies um, in the most weak sauce way I, possible ooh. too. I wasn't necessarily heartbroken by this, and I, I would like to touch on movies that did heart break my heart. But I mean, Christopher Nolan is such an amazing director that he'll get his just desserts. Do I think he deserved Best Director for the monumental and passionate undertaking that this movie was? I do believe that I I'm all for Shape of Water winning Best Picture, but I thought for sure Christopher Nolan was going to win for Best Director. We don't see that happen very often. Brian's mentioned this before that generally whoever wins Best Director generally that film wins Best Picture. Um, I think that Christopher Nolan de- deserved a Best Director nomination for Inception and Interstellar and The Dark Knight, um, but he hasn't. He and got we're, we're going to see. He got nominated for Best Director for Inception? Yeah, he didn't get shit for Dark oh, okay. Knight, which that was the travesty. That should have been nominated and that's, for Best And Picture. that moves me on to my heartbreaking. My heart, I've been heartbroken by the by the Academy for the Dark Knight not being nominated for Best Picture, not uh, Christopher Nolan not being nominated for Best Director for that movie. That's the last time I can remember being severely heartbroken by the Academy short-sightedness. Yeah, but now... I mean, this year was a big year for genre movies too, right? Like you have a, you have a sci-fi horror movie winning Best adapted or original screenplay and then you have uh, yep. a sci-fi fantasy movie basically winning best picture so yep maybe there's hope maybe there'll be more hope you know? i'm waiting for the parody movie to win best picture the which one the parody a parody movie <laughs> yeah like don't be a menace to south central while drinking your juice in the hood or airplane or something winning best picture. right okay so it has to be so on point though right <laughs> with its commentary uh okay so spielberg movies there's one spielberg yes. movie you can only watch ever again you had to I'll watch go it first because okay. I got it. Fucking Jaws. Jaws is one of the few perfect films in my opinion, and I watch it at least four or five times a year. I could easily watch, even though I mean it is a little fucked up. If I was on a desert island surrounded by water, I might <laughs> fuck with my brain a little bit. But I, uh, I'd probably be Jaws. Okay. I know what mine is. Would one hundred percent be Jurassic Park? Jurassic Park. I want. It's a good one. I watch yeah. Jurassic Park like a sad amount of. Time. Like I, I think Jurassic Park has been the movie I have seen most the most times because sometimes it's just on TV a lot and I'll be like folding laundry and I'll be like oh there's nothing else on I'm gonna watch Jurassic Park again. Also yep. like I'm real attracted to Jeff Goldblum so hell yeah Jurassic Park. We all are. <laughs> uh, okay, so it took me a while to think about it. And Brian, yours is Hook. Yes, I know. Actually, it, it is. Oh it is Hook. shit! <laughs> I, I knew it. Is, it is oh, Hook. I forgot Hulk was feel. Oh, not Hulk. Hulk. Ugh. 
Yeah, I, I was thinking about. It. I was like, God, what do I don't want to. I don't. And I was like, Yeah, no, it's it's well, because of my love of Peter Pan. Um, no, it it is very much so the one I would have to watch over and over again. Um, it's got the it's right amount one. of fantasy, the right amount of humor, the right amount of action. Um, it's not necessarily his best movie because it's not. I mean, you we've all just named you just named two way better movies than than Hook is, but. It's it's also a little weird your, your love of Peter Pan. I think of you loving Peter Pan like Matthew McConaughey and Daisy Confused. Like I want to hang out with Peter Pan because I keep getting older and he stays the same age. No, That's I like weird. Peter Pan because it's this. <laughs> Seriously, oh, I like Peter no, Pan. No, I'm fucking with you. This is what okay. I do. Okay, you just haven't been on the podcast with me for a while. Well, I, well, I think I think that's why Hulk, I keep wanting to say Hulk because we were talking about Marvel. Hook is such a lasting story, too, because it poses that, you know, well, what if Peter Pan grew up? What if you get that that disillusionment as an adult to someone who was so fantastic as a child? Yeah, I actually and I've said it before. I think I said it on the Peter Pan uh, episodes uh, we did with Sarah years ago, but it's basically it's pretty true to the spirit of J.M. Barry's story, because Barry even said in the stage direction of Peter Pan, because when he puts on Hook's hat on the pirate ship before they fly away, he said, curtain closes near lest Peter become Hook himself, mm-hmm. right? The idea is that Peter is so close to to Hook that he could have, could and very well maybe become him. And that's the whole point. I think that's why they call the movie Hook. It has nothing to do with Hook. Hook is still very much a side character. It's that Peter kind of, in a way, became Captain Hook without actually becoming Well, yeah, Maggie, Hook. Maggie Smith's character yeah. even says, you know, Peter, you, you become, become a, a pirate. pirate. Exactly. So. Yeah. God, I love Maggie Smith. Because he really did, if you think about it. Yeah. And, and it's also, it's a lot about, it's about what happens to men when they get to like that midlife crisis thing where, and you see his arc through the movie where, okay, he's he's become this stuffy adult. And then when he goes back and he actually does become Peter Pan again, he completely forgets. And it's finding that balance where you can still have the heart of a child, but you can still recognize your responsibilities. I still need to save my two children from this madman, yeah. mm-hmm. but I can also have the the heart of Peter Pan. Right. And I think that's what's so great about it is because the hook is, is stuck, right? Like, Mm-hmm. You're, you pretty much nailed it. Peter Pan is all about realizing you can't be a kid forever. You do have to grow up. Mm-hmm. And this is all about, yes, you can grow up, but don't forget to have fun and still keep yes. that childlike sense of wonder yeah. about some things. Yeah. Um, okay. So that being said, let's move on to the next one. Sean, you wanted to cover that one. Yes. All right. This one comes from... Oh, sorry. I'm still on Laura Rose's. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for those questions, Laura Rose. Those were great. This next piece of feedback is from John Cutting. Subject line is movie mashups and bylines. Yes! yes. More movie mashups. And not only did he send us movie mashups, uh, but like he said, bylines. He gives us a whole fucking breakdown of what the movie is, oh which I would like to encourage the rest of our listeners, when you're sending us these, please give us breakdowns of what this movie actually is. I because we these were are brilliant. supposed to try to do that. No, first one. <laughs> Wayne's World War Z. Oh. Two slacker friends try to promote their public access cable show while ra- while racing against time to stop the zombie <laughs> pandemic that is toppling armies and governments and threatening to destroy humanity itself. I'd watch it. Excellent. <laughs> Wayne, I can't find my baseball bat. <laughs> Wayne, uh, I think I'm going to hurl. <laughs> oh, God. So good. Oh, man. Oh, okay, my- next one. The Running Man on the Moon. <laughs> Legendary comedian Andy Kaufman is wrongly convicted and must try to survive a public execution gauntlet staged as a game show. <laughs> Thank you very much. 
the very end is just him like holding a severed head of one of the like one of the, one of the oh fucking God. killers. It's no, like, and the very end, is, and the one he has to f- fight is Jerry Lawler. One of them is Jerry Lawler. Yep, Jerry Lawler <laughs> is is uh, the is is the fat opera singing one. <laughs> Dynamo, I think was his name. Dynamo, yes, Dynamo. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, Citizen Kane Mutiny. What is that a mix of? What's Kane Mutiny? I think it might have been Citizen. There might be uh, one called Citizen Mutiny. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So, following the death of a publishing tycoon, news reporters scramble to discover the meaning of his final utterance that jeopardizes a ship and forces a court martial for mutiny. Okay. There you go. (laughs) Uh, All right. We love you, John. We swear that our silence doesn't mean that that one's bullshit, but it's not the best one. Okay. So there's the never-ending West Side Story. There's actually a thing called Kane Mutiny. (laughs) Oh, it's called Kane Mutiny. Okay. The two youngsters from rival New York City gangs fall in love, but tensions between their respective friends build towards tragedy when they dive into a wondrous fantasy world through the pages of a mysterious book. <laughs> this one is my last one is my favorite. Please say it right. It's your favorite because you love this so yeah. mu- that movie so much. It's a mad, 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 mad Max. <laughs> it's self it's a mad, 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 Mad Max, yes. <laughs> in a self-destructing world, a vengeful Australian policeman sets out to stop a madcap cross-country rush to find some treasure. <laughs> I could just see them looking for the treasure and fucking and Morton Joe's like, my property! Oh, God. There's the big W! Um, <laughs> a, yeah, says, Where's the big fucking W? <laughs> Um, That's awesome. He also, by the way, sent us a brilliant piece of Photoshop work as the movie poster, uh, Casablanca Caligula. Uh, Jesus. (laughs) Exactly. It's so good. So many Nazis. So much fucking. Oh, my God. It's so, it's, oh, that's a solid piece of Photoshop right there. I just don't like, I just don't like it because I don't want to associate Nazis with full penetration in mainstream film because I'm a big fan of one and not the other. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Sean. Well done, indeed. Uh, Guys, we always love getting feedback, and we want you to give us more in in, in diverse types of feedback. Various and diverse types of feedback, not just through the emails. Sean, please regale us with the tales of how one could be a feedbacker. There are several ways you could give us feedback. You can go to our website, nerdonomy.com, and you can click that Talk to Us button, which goes to a contact form, which will email all of us. Or you can hit us up on social media. We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts. You can either comment or send us a direct message on there. Um, you could send a carrier pigeon. We've mentioned that before. You could send a Harry Potter owl. Yes. You could um, You could just bury a time capsule with a bunch of messages to us, <laughs> and then eventually someone will find it. <laughs> Us, hopefully in the future, we'll we'll scour the world. And not, yeah, that would be f- fucked up if like the whole world was destroyed, but somehow the way they engineered that time capsule, that was the only thing that survived in the ground, and then that's like an entire culture is built off of just feedback to nerdonomy. The Bible's written about nerdonomy. It's like it national sounds like treasure, but hilarious. I was gonna say it sounds like the fucking postman, but with a podcast. <laughs> God, the postman makes me want to gouge my eyes out and stick fucking knitting needles in my ears. That movie is a hot pile of medical. I was gonna say garbage, but it's medical waste. It's that dangerous. Gross. <laughs> uh. Thank you. A quick little uh, addendum to that is uh, any of the information that you put on nerdonomy.com stays with us. By the way. I recently had to write a privacy policy um, mm-hmm. for the webpage, and so basically 
that's the long and the short of it. Look, any info you give with us, we're not going to use other anywhere else. Just know that that's the case. I just sold all of those scripts from John Cutting's um, mashups, though. <laughs> I took all of that, I wrote the scripts, and I sold them. Uh, so I used his IP. So Brian's not necessarily correct. Sean is, Sean is using all of that money to build the Marvel theme park now. <laughs> yes, the Marvel theme park. Marvel, the world of Marvel coming to Bozeman, Montana. The marvelous world of Marvel. Come on. Oh, God, no. There's going to be, and then at the, at the entrance, there's a giant statue of Stan Lee, but it's also kind of like it, it's programmed like the old ET ride, <laughs> where when you walk in, it already knows your name. It's like Excelsior, Hello, Sean, true Excelsior, Sean. That would be amazing. Oh my god! <laughs> or well, no, because because this joke started with that you are the one building it. I imagined the uh, Walt and Mickey Mouse statue, but with Stan Lee holding your hand. Yep. But <laughs> or no, Stan Lee holding Howard the Duck's hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and it's only 12 stories tall. It's nothing too gaudy. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, guys, we are having far too much fun. We got to get out of here. But I will say this, too. Please, the best thing you can do about our podcast as well is spread the word of nerd like a bird turd. Don't, don't just tell your friends and family about our show. Do us a favor. If you see a tweet of ours, if you see a Facebook post of ours, share it. Retweet it. Pay, pay that shit, shit forward. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's how we can build our audience. Anyway, my little two cents soapbox put away now. So anyway, it is that time. So until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Later. Wakanda forever. And roll credits. And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. I'm kidding. We're vegetarians. Oh. He don't eat pussy! <laughs> he don't eat pussy!